Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy hump day, listeners, degenerate betters. Matthew Cox running point here on another episode of the Best Bets Show. Presented by Field of 68, all made possible by Bet Rivers, Mr. McKeon to my left, Mr. Root to my right. Some action transpired last night, although the slates grow larger as the week grows older, as we know, save the Friday lull. But a lot of action to get to tonight. Kai, I don't care about a lot what you learned last night, but I know you learned a few things, so share a couple of quick nuggets. Let's get to the action. The octagon of doom stays dooming. Kansas State, impressive win over Baylor. Um, three seed blocked, basically, for the Wildcats. Great season, yada, yada, yada. Also, of course, Jim, we're going to touch on Mizzou. They won in overtime. The Cardiac Cats, 20th win of the season. We're feeling pretty good about the dance. Let's just not blow it with three straight Q4, Q3 games down the stretch. Yeah, and probably another Q3 game in the uh, SEC tournament tournament, to start. So there is a little bit of downside. But, man, it's fun being a fan of a a Cardiac team that wins all these close games. (laughs) Like They're top 15 in the country in luck. Uh, You know what? I, I don't care if you call them Lucky Kai. They probably are. It's fun to be a fan of them. Uh, Michigan State, home team. Wow, how about that? Big 10, big cover over uh, Indiana. Last point, man. Well, I guess last two. Texas A&M, awesome. Matt, I'll let you uh, talk Marquette. I'm hoping that's your takeaway. Yeah, lucky enough to uh, hop on Creighton first half, but the Shaka smart cockroaches just do not die. Um, just a furious comeback there in the second half, and Creighton's offense, which was ho humming in the first half, really started to uh, to hit a rut. But I mean, Marquette's defense has been kind of the story, in my opinion. I, that, that's where I thought they would eventually crack the season and kind of come crashing down to reality. But if they're going to be that feisty on that end, despite not having like a true imposing rim protector, their offense is going to always be there. Um, they're a real team, and I said this to you guys last night, and I'm tired of doubting them as like a real team. But they're there. So well done, I mean, Shaka were, and Eagles. There was a stage where they were like. Mizzou light, whereas this top five offense and a horrific defense. Uh, but since start of February, they're a top 50 defense. Like they're actually playing well. They're up into the top 70 at Kempom. I, I think Marquette is like legit and a postseason candidate to make a run. Yeah, I do too. I'm all the way there. 
Uh, we're going to SEC country to start off our outline. Mr. McKeon, you're going to feel this one. Florida hosting Kentucky. There's four or five games tonight where what I see is a really brittle home dog that typically I would be excited to back, but there's just something that's not so – doesn't sit well with me back in the home dog. And this is like the epitome of that spot. Kai Florida catching three yes. at home to Kentucky – Without Colin Castleton, just a night and day different team. I don't think you can back Florida in good faith in any under any circumstance here. I don't think so either. No Castleton is a is a big deal. Marquette, or excuse me, Arkansas slaughtered them inside. They scored one point one one point one seven points per possession, sixty five percent from two. Arkansas was against Florida. So Florida team that usually has a very good defense this season. A lot of that was Castleton. I think Sheboy eats them eats them inside tonight. It's going to be a uh, a waltz to the bucket, Matthew, every single possession. He was just two for 14 in game one, a game in which Kentucky won. It's going to change dramatically, I think, without Caston here. Florida, how do they score? Caston at 25 in game one. They're going to be forced to hit outside shots. That's something they really struggle with. Kentucky minus two and a half is my best bet, Jim. Love it, Kai. Coming hot out of the gate there. Yeah, I mean, I think Kentucky has looked really good against Tennessee twice because Tennessee is not a good or frequent ball screen offense, and I don't think Florida really is either. They don't have many dynamic creators with their ball with the ball in their hands. Lofton's steady, but he's not that type of guy. They played Trey Bonham two minutes last game, so clearly he's not a part of the plan. And you don't have a dyna- dynamic role man anymore without Castleton being able to catch and make a play or catch and finish. I'm not that worried about Oscar's uh, – pick and roll defense here. I think it's another pretty good matchup for Kentucky, especially with Castleton out. He's worth about 20 points per hundred possessions per hoop mm-hmm. explorer based yep. on uh, on off numbers. And sometimes it feels like more than that to me. It looked like more than that against Arkansas in the second half. So yeah, lean towards Kentucky, Matt. It does feel like a lot of people are looking that way, but it just, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm not going to lay it just because I don't trust Kentucky on the road. Um, just don't trust them all the way at this point, even though the Colin Castlin thing is is a pretty uh, – I don't think it's fully priced into the market yet. That's all I'll say, especially with the Florida team that we knew was already kind of overpriced in the market or at least being shaded up relative to the or the analytic numbers that had them. So, Yeah, so right, we're staying at the price, know. by the way, Florida minus two on Kempom, so four and a half points. I think he's worth more than that. And Jim said the, yep. the 20 points per 100 possessions – I think he's worth more than four and a half points. Yeah, that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Eight to them, right. to the spread. It's it's Florida yep. minus 2.1 on Bart Torvik too. Like that is the consensus line and it's yep. four points the other way. Maybe not enough. Another instance, Jimbo, short road favorite. I'm just so eager to back and I can't really put a good finger on why I haven't pulled the trigger at this one, especially for me. Uh, Vandy going on the road at LSU. LSU hasn't won a conference game since December 28th. They are owing their last 12 they have also been failing to cover spreads during that run. Um, and Vandy's a freight train right now. Coming off that big buzzer-beating win against Auburn at home, they couldn't score inside in that game, but they still found a way to muck it up and steal the victory. I think they keep it rolling here on the road. It's just weird to lay Vandy as a favorite on the road in the SEC. Just something about that didn't sit right with me. Yeah, it, the only home game Alabama, or excuse me, LSU has covered since like mid-December is Alabama, which is really weird. It's the only game they were able to hang around. They're 3-13 and 13 against the spread at home. Like, they shouldn't get a home bump. They're not good, and they're not getting any juice out of playing at home. So I, given the trajectory of these teams, like LSU barely hanging around or, or getting smoked by teams, and Vanderbilt really trending up, Kai, like, sneaky into the bubble picture almost. Yeah. If I'm in Nebraska, we're going to talk about it on our three-man weave pod later today. 
they're lurking. I kind of trust Vandy quite a bit more at this stage and am tempted to back them as well here. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's kind of ride the hot team, fade the cold team. Vanderbilt, number 33 in the country since February 1st, per Bart Torvik. They're 5-0 and straight up. They're 4-1 against the spread this month. Liam Robbins, if you haven't checked him out recently, 23 points, 10 boards, 3.5 blocks per game in February. He's been awesome, and LSU, frankly, can't stop that. Uh, he should have his way inside against them tonight. And during that same span, Matt, since February 1st, LSU 227th in the country per Bart. They've lost 14 in a row, 13 straight SEC games, 3-11 and against the spread in that 14-game losing streak. Not great. I just can't see LSU's offense punishing Vanderbilt's questionable defense. And frankly, Stackhouse, his, his X's and O's, greater than Matt McMahon right now. So I, I lean towards Vandy minus 2.5. I actually like the under more than anything here. I just think that with Robbins back in there, the defense for Vandy is completely different. And LSU, I just don't think they're a good shot-making team by any stretch of the imagination. So I think it's kind of an ugly uh, back-and-forth X and O chess match. Both coaches dipping into their bag of tricks with set plays. Should play to a low-possession game. But, man, there's no way LSU wins this game the way Vandy's playing. Um, All right. Anyway, I'm trying to talk myself into a bet here at the horn. We pivot to... The ACC, Kai, Clemson hosting Syracuse. Some money coming in on the home Tigers here. Opened at three up to five right now. I was actually leaning toward the Cuse. Haven't taken them yet, though, at five. What are your thoughts here? It's do or die for Clemson. Uh, A loss here pretty much seals their fate. It would be another Q3 loss, and they already have, I think, four Q3 and Q4 losses combined. It's not not great right now. Um, They've lost four or five, including one to Louisville. They're one and five against the spread in their last six. So Clemson has been... Not so great recently. Uh, They're a poor shooting team. They're 12th in the ACC in three-point percentage. They're an even worse offensive rebounding team. They're dead last in the ACC in offensive rebounding rate. Those are the two most important things against a zone, rebounding and shooting. While P.J. Hall is theoretically a very good zone buster with his passing and his versatility, he did have 19-11 last year against Syracuse. I just don't see Clemson scoring very easily against Syracuse, Jim. And they do have good zone stats per synergy, but it's very small sample size. I don't quite believe it. I kind of lean towards Syracuse here on the matchup. The spot's more Clemson, but lean Q's on matchup and number. Yeah, Clemson's been better shooting if you capture the whole year. Uh, they definitely trended down in league mm-hmm. play. Uh, part of that, I mean, Tyson was just a fireball for a while early on the season. And I, I do think like he and Hall can kind of add some of that, you know, high post, low post. Uh, Tyson can make plays out of there. But if Tyson's making plays at the high post, he's not set up on the three-point line, and he's a 40% three-point shooter. So you want him out there zone-busting and stretching the floor. On the other end, Clemson's defense has been pretty solid, especially in the interior. Hall has been a very stout rim force. So Syracuse is probably going to have to hit some shots, which I don't fully trust them to do outside of Gerard. Uh, Mintz has been good, but not great in that department, particularly the efficiency realm. So, Matt, I don't have a strong enough take here. Like you said, maybe gut was leaned to Syracuse, but it's not high enough at five. Uh, you would have liked to see seven, I think, and I probably would have backed the orange. Yeah, and I don't think there's like a massive athleticism discrepancy here between uh, Clemson and Syracuse. Um, I kind of felt like that showed in Clemson, sorry, Syracuse's loss to Duke over the weekend. I think they bounced back on the road when this one at Little John, but nothing profound, nothing strong enough for me to actually take that. Uh, second ACC till gym, NC State hosting Wake Forest. I kind of like the road Deacons here. Should be a high-scoring game. The total is up to 157, just to give an indication of how this should play. Wolfpack land five. Any takes? 
Yeah, Wake had that, I think, like 10 straight games that went over. Now they're 2-2-1 two, two and one to the total in the last five games. So it's steadied a little bit. The numbers caught up somewhat. But this does feel like a ton of points. I don't really know how either team stops the other one. A lot of playmaking guards on both sides. Not a ton of great defensive guards on both sides. I mean, Morsell is maybe one of the best point-of-attack defenders in the country, so they'll probably throw him at Appleby, but then I think you can have – he'll just make some plays there. Monsanto's going to light it up from deep. He always spaces the floor really well. And that NC State guard attack is lethal. Uh, just watching <clears> the game last Sunday against UNC, Kai, how quickly their their 7-0 runs can happen, like mm. steal, dunk, steal, three, steal, bucket. Like they, It's really, really quick. Um, Joyner and, and Turquavian Smith just have no conscience. feels a little like – the old Auburn teams, Matt, the Bryce, Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, uh, just like kind of a freewheeling, a lot of freedom for the, the the guards to fire away. I don't have a strong take on the side. I, it's more feeling like an over game for me where I think we get back on that train with Wake Forest. Yeah, I was uh, I was on Wake in the first game here. I, I, I remember watching this one. They were up at half. They led by 10 with 13 minutes to go and they blew the game. DJ Burns was the key in that one for NC State. 31 points on 26 shot attempts. It was clearly a priority for them to play through Burns. Should they again? Probably because Wake can't really guard anybody, and especially in the interior. Um, this is a huge game for Wake. This is a Q1 win opportunity, and they're, they still have an outside shot at the dance. They're not really close right now, but they still have a shot to get there. NC State's looking pretty safe. This offense is fantastic for Wake Forest, Matt, and Jim mentioned the over lean. I would lean towards that as well. But their defense is so bad. I, I can't really trust them. I lean their way on the numbers slightly at five and a half. Now it's come down a bit, but I don't trust their defense enough. Yeah, it's funny. Wake actually has size. They just don't have like physically imposing uh, enforcer size. It's more skilled, stretchy bigs that that Forbes has woven into this offense. I mean, Carr plays inside out, but like the Clintman guy has been really impressive. Uh, more of an inside-out type of stretchy guy who can shoot it. So I, I, I think just both teams can score hyper efficiently, and the pace should be really, uh, should be there for you. So spinny play, square play, but I like the over still. All right, chat mob round one. Who is czarring today? I got it, Matthew. We're gonna start with a four pack from Pat. We're starting off with George Washington and Rhode Island. Jim, Rhode Island is favored by two and a half. Strong home court, but no Freeman. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you had this team pretty well solved. First game, take Rhode Island. They played really well. Second game, fade them against UMass, uh, laying a bunch of points. Didn't make sense. UMass won outright. Good job, Kai. Thanks. Here, I kind of still lean towards George Washington. I just think they're a little bit better. I don't know if Rhode Island's totally sorted their issues out, even without Freeman. So it's slightly into GW, not a bet for me. Matthew, Maine and New Hampshire are getting together in an America East matchup. Maine is favored. Excuse me. New Hampshire is favored by three at home. Thoughts? Uh, no thoughts. I guess I lean New Hampshire, but uh, maybe I have Maine undervalued. Obviously, America East, Kai, I have no idea what's happening in that conference. <laughs> Great. I'll make sure to set Jim up for further America East questions. No, it's okay. I'm just, I don't know. It's a tough conference <laughs> to peg. I'm not, I'm not it is. Pick. It's very tough this year. I Not much makes sense to Northeast this season. Home Jim's, court's not strong in that league, remember. No, it's not. It's not huge. Jim, you get Samford and Chattanooga. Samford's laying three on the road. Obviously, no Jake Stevens for Chattanooga. Kind of a big deal. Yeah, not back yet with the broken hands. So you got to knock things towards Samford, towards the under, I think. Uh, it's a slight lean towards the under there. But man, that, that game could get up and down. Weirdly, I don't think this game matters at all for Samford. If they lose, they still only have to beat Furman in the finale mm-hmm. to win the regular season title because uh, they have the tiebreaker with Greensboro clinched. 
So like, you know, they're not going to tank the game, but there is truly like, it doesn't matter. This game could be like fall in the forest for them. Who cares? But I'm not going to take Chattanooga without Stevens. Uh, real quick in the chat, XM radio information, Monday, Thursday, Friday for the next couple of weeks, channel 87 on Sirius XM radio, 9 to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. We got Matt and Rob Doster tomorrow, Jeff and Jim, Jim and Jeff Goodman on Friday. That's the schedule. Okay, and Pat, last one from Pat. Matthew, Southern Miss, minus one and a half at Old Dominion. Southern Miss, one game lead in the Sun Belt. Your thoughts? Uh, Southern Miss, I guess I understand the money. Um, feels weird that they opened as a short dog at ODU, but tricky spots going in play. Jeff Jones' teams are always physical and feisty. Uh, I kind of want to cite Jim's motivational edge there, Southern Miss, but they have the double bye, I believe, locked up, so it could be. Uh, maybe kind of a dead spot there for the no, road favorite. Is that right? They're fighting for the league title. Yeah, but they both have double, like double buys already secured. I know it gets fine. League title. I'm not going to say it's not important, but uh, I, I can see this being a duddy effort from Southern Miss. That's all I'll say. There is a question in the chat about Stevens being back for Chattanooga question mark. If he was announced back, this line wouldn't be where it is right now. So I think you'll know when he's announced back, it, it's going to move a lot. If that happens, um, Jim, you get Liberty and Queens. A sun battle from Joey. Yeah, kind of lean towards Queens at home here. I think they've been really effective at home. Kyle, you talked about how much home has mattered in the A sun. It's been a very strong home edge. And Liberty has not been the same team on the road. They've been really strong ATS at home. They're right in the mix for the league title. They need Kennesaw to trip up one more time and, and continue winning. Uh, I just I lean towards Queens there. I think Liberty might control the tempo a bit, but I think Queens keeps it close. They're feisty. One more from Joey Matthew, James Madison, and Marshall, the other big Sun Belt contest. James Madison only minus one. Kind of surprised me a little bit. They won the first matchup. I tend, I, I like them here at home, but what are your thoughts? I do too. I agree. Morse is back, and they have uh, not Sewell Wooden. I can get their front court guys confused. No, Su- Wooden's Sule the one that's back. Sule came back. Yep. Sule's back. But, oh, sorry, Wooden didn't play in the first meeting, though. That's right. But they're both back. Now they're both playing. They both matter. I think James Madison is better than Marshall. I should be betting this game. I don't know why I haven't. Marshall makes no sense to me. Play super fast with like six guys and not wear down. How do yeah. they not wear down? I don't get it. I know. Jim Moray's son from, from Lanti, Lipscomb, Florida Gulf Coast, FGCU minus three at home. Well, I was hoping you'd take this, Kai, my A-son expert here. Seems um, high. Seems high at minus yeah. three at, at Florida Gulf Coast? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Lipscomb's uh, better I, this year. I think these teams are about equal. I, Gulf Coast ceiling is higher but man they haven't shown it much in league play like they want it i've been wrong about them uh yeah Yeah. they did just haven't had it solved in league play i think the rotations really messed around i'd probably lean gulf coast but kai thinks it's high he knows more about the a sun a sun home has been really good that still is holding right now so Mm -hmm. consider that matt indiana state at belmont in the missouri valley belmont minus two at home I like Indiana State, but I don't like fading Belmont at home. The Valley, strong home courts, especially Belmont. Um, they always sell well there, and they play well in front of their home fans. I still like ISU Blue, though. I think they're better. Uh, from Paris, I'll take this one. A Sun, awesome P at Stetson. Stetson minus 10 and a half. Uh, P has three guys suspended from the weird brawl at the end of last game. Uh, they threw an alley-oop to themselves, and North Florida got mad, and a brawl ensued. So P actually suspended some guys. I think that matters. Stetson, pretty good team. P's kind of lost. I lean towards Stetson a little bit. I did too. Yeah. Oh, wait, Kyle, I wanted to check one thing. Uh, yes. Under, okay. I like the under there. I like the under. Without without those guys in Stetson's pace, 
I, I think the under makes sense. Yeah. I hate taking sets and unders. They, they're too freaking efficient. Make a lot of threes, those boys. Yes. Uh, Jim, you get Binghamton at Vermont. America East, I promised you a game. Vermont minus 14. Apparently, in the last 10 games against each other, courtesy of Lake Show, 9-1 against the spread Vermont is against Binghamton. And courtesy of Lante, Vermont, 9-3 uh, first half. I think he means last 12 because 9-3 doesn't make sense for last 10. But they mm-hmm. have been rolling teams early. I believe they have fully clinched the one seed in this tournament. So maybe a little bit lesser motivation there. But I kind of think they keep rolling. Uh, not a huge fan of Binghamton, but it is a relatively big number. So sitting it out generally. All right, last one before the rundown, Matt. ACC, North Carolina, minus six and a half at Notre Dame. What do you do with the Tar Heels? I don't know. Either team here. I think I'd still fade them. Um, just the general direction this team's trending. Notre Dame, I don't think they're all the way chopped liver at this point, although certainly the line indicates they are. I, I don't know. This is stay away. Don't bet this game. I have no take on this game. Back third, to the outline. I'll hijack third it. Third straight big game for Notre Dame. They covered easily at Duke, covered easily at at uh, Virginia, maybe they're finding it a little bit in these big spots. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, run down. I got the rest of the questions holstered. We go to Big Ten country, so we have to uh, start off every Big Ten game breakdown with the updated ATS home splits, which I actually don't have a couple nights behind. I was hoping one of you would have the data ready. It, the point is the the home teams cover a lot more than the road teams, Kai. <laughs> Wisconsin playing host to Iowa. However, the Cole Center has not been a house of horse for Big Ten teams this season. Is it because Wisconsin's just not any good and we should be fading them? Is that why? Yeah, yeah Wisconsin's the exception of the rule for the Big Ten, Big Ten home court. They're three and nine against the spread, minus three cover margin at Cole Center. That's not too good. Uh, a win here by Wisconsin is is enormous. It's another Q two win, which means Wisconsin would be ten and ten against Q one and Q two competition with no bad losses would be really hard to keep them out of the dance if that were the case, um, even though their net is disgusting right now. Badgers beat Iowa in overtime at, or excuse me, uh, at Iowa. No Chris Murray in that game. Have to think Iowa a little better equipped in this one. They're obviously the better team right now. I just don't exactly trust them either. We just saw them get beat by 20 to Northwestern. The spot, Jim, for me, leans Wisconsin. I did not put my money down in this game, though. Yeah, I, I, you need a great reason, I think, to go against the Big Ten home court and Part of the reason is Wisconsin's been bad. Yeah, Matt, 69 and 41 against the spread is the Big Ten at home this year after Michigan State's cover last night. But if you take out Minnesota's three and four, Wisconsin's two and six, Ohio State one and six. Like those are your teams that don't have the home court. They don't have the juice. They're not good uh, enough. And yeah, they're not good enough. Yeah, agreed. Ohio State is completely lost. Uh, but yeah, this this particular game, I think getting Chris Murray back matters a lot. Having some shooting over the top of Wisconsin's very compact physical defense is big. He is a lethal scorer from everywhere in the court. And if it comes down to it late, Wisconsin's late game offense is horrific. It is just the Hepburn Horrible. heave at all times. Uh, they did get against Rutgers. They got a decent runner out of the season, but like I still don't believe in it. And if it's close. I trust Iowa a little bit more at the end here. Guard is 6-3-2 and two against the spread against McCaffrey, but I think it's more about the teams here, more about the lack of home court. I do lean towards Iowa, Matt, despite the strength of home court. Yep, I lean all the way, and then so it's my best bet, Iowa. I probably famous last word, spitting in the face of the Big Ten ATS uh, trajectory. But you mentioned Wisconsin's different beast because they're not any good. And uh, the Connor Sagan, or Segan, Sagan, how do you say his name, Jim? Segan, yep. Segan, terrible last game. He actually had 
the season. Sure. He had a big game against Iowa, the first one. McCaffrey talked about it. I think they're hyper alert. And that's what you do with Wisconsin. You keep their kind of random shooters from going off. And really, it's just um, Klesman and uh, Asijan this year. I, I think you have a chance to beat them because they have no presence up front with Walbin laboring, not been the same guy since he's come back from the ankle injury. Murray back is a world of difference to this team coming off a dreadful performance in Northwestern. I think they bounce back on the road, a much more, um, much less scary road environment than most of these Big Ten home courts. So Iowa best bet minus one. I think the Hawkeyes get it done. Next game, we're going to pivot to Big East land, Jim. UConn is hosting Providence. Ed Cooley is an underdog, and that's usually a profitable investment strategy here. Catching seven. UConn, though, trending back up. Um, Not all the way terrifying as what we saw in November, but maybe kind of in the middle between that and the recent swoon. What do you make of this matchup? Nah, I'm not scared of UConn right now. I just I don't think the guards are good. They had the one really good performance at home against Marquette. That's the exception lately instead of the rule. I think they covered against Seton Hall, but barely. Like you said, Cooley as a dog is fantastic. 89 and 58 against the spread in his career. That's 61% over the course of 147 games. Like it's a legitimate angle covering by uh, 2.25 points per game. Seven's too many here. Providence is way too tough, way too, uh, I don't know. They don't wilt. Like even if you put a run on them, they will fight right back. I know they're kind of banged up. That's a little bit of a concern there for them, but I still like Providence here. Kai plus seven, a big lean for me. Yeah, it feels high. Cooley is a dog, man. Superb. Seven and a half points. That's that's a lot. That's enough for me to be interested in Providence. Um, they won by 12. The dunk. UConn was ice cold. That seems to be their kryptonite when they're not hitting shots. It affects everything else. Um, Bynum also got hurt early in that game. So Providence didn't even have Bynum for most of that contest and still won by 12. Now the Friars are still are, are, are absolutely vulnerable on the road. They're just five and five straight up. They are six and three against the spread on the road, but they have dropped pretty much all of their games uh, away from the dunk this season. I've talked about UConn's top gear enough. They are scary. They can win this game by double digits, but I trust Cooley's game planning more. I trust him to keep it close. And a win here, Matt, by Providence outright, would give them sole possession or help them keep sole possession of second place in the Big East. So lean towards Providence. This is a whiteout, Matt. This one's at Gamble Uh-oh. in stores, not the Excel, not the bigger Excel Center. Yeah, if you're looking back, you kind of do think that's a point in your favor. Um, man, everything sets up here for Providence. I just look at UConn's recent dominance on the glass and that glass dominance in that first meeting when they won by 12 at the dunk. The artist formerly known as the dunk um, worries me. So nothing there officially. Let's head west, Kai. Taco Bell Arena. I think it's still called that. Boise State hosting New Mexico. I think we all agreed on the opening number feeling a bit too high. The Brocks laying six at home after they were catching two on the road and then overtime barn burner in the first being between these two Kai in that game Jalen House played he is back tonight we believe after returning last game he's back I like the Lobos your thoughts yeah they need to win uh like you said House is back they beat San Jose State by 28 points after dropping two without him um so clearly he matters House and Mashburn combo it's fantastic it can score it well but the main matchup edge is actually Udesi inside for new mexico he he uh had a great game in the first one in this matchup 15 points and boise also has pretty poor post-up defense numbers per synergy this season a little surprising that's kind of their only weakness on the defensive end in the half court new mexico did win game one in overtime just long yeah yeah they, they can get bullied a bit on the block boise's no doubt uh trying to avenge that loss but i think new mexico keep within two possessions i lean their way jim 
Yeah, I, I do too. Hard, hard lean towards New Mexico here. Considered it as a best bet, but instead I have an under coming, so didn't go with the side. Matt, it's called Extra Mile Arena now. Boo, mm. that's lame. Taco Bell's way better. Uh, but... What is Extra Mile? Look up the the. Uh... Yeah, there you go. Get some, get some info on Go the, the extra mile. Remember with oh. that that OT game, there's the weird controversy of the New Mexico baseball team waiting outside the Boise State locker room, and there were some words exchange and investigation. Boise was really grumpy about it after the game. The postgame presser, Leon Rice, talked about it. Maybe there's some extra juice there for the Broncos, but I don't think any of that overshadows New Mexico's back against the wall with the uh, postseason on the line. I think this is too high. I think these teams are a lot closer to equals on a neutral than this line would indicate. I like New Mexico here, and I saw someone mention a possible money line sprinkle. Matt, can I get a sign off on that from Matty? Yeah, I kind of like it too. I really do. I do like it. I'll get you some of that. Please clip that off, Phil68. Extra Mile <laughs> Arena, a convenience affiliate of Chevron. Boo. Mm. Boo. Naming mm. rights. Um, that's all I have there. Anything else? Yeah, we like New Mexico. Nothing official. Correct. That's right. Yeah, no, no, none of our best bet, but I think we're all kind of in in unison there. All right, we conclude with a kind of an underwhelming finale. Sorry, uh, Temple and Cincinnati fans, but just the AAC doesn't excite me. Although this year, Kai, there have been more points scored in this conference than what we're used to. So maybe an antiquated take by me there. But the Bearcats laying eight at home against the Owls. No Mr. Battle last game for Temple. Yeah. Um, he certainly matters. Uh, I believe he's dicey for tonight. Don't get involved unless you know what his status is. That's my take. Yep, I'd agree. It's it's personal reasons, so it can be anything for, for battle here. Um, if he's in, big lean to Temple. Super talented team with him and Dunn both in the fold. We saw them beat Houston, obviously. Um, Victor Locken, questionable for Cincinnati. He's missed the last couple. Jamil Reynolds missed the first game in this matchup. He'd have a big advantage if Locken is out. Without battle, though, I'm probably staying away. This is still a pretty erratic team, Temple. Unpredictable. They did beat Cincy by nine in game one. Perhaps they have confidence a little blueprint action to do it again. And it does feel high, but again, without battle, I have to stay away, Jim. I still lean towards Temple even without battle. I mean, he's very important because of how reliant they are on just shot making. Their offense is not fluid or fun to watch. They're not going to wow you with Mike Young type half court sets that produce beautiful open shots. They need shot making to score. Uh, and Cincinnati has been a lot better, but I, I think the no lock in thing matters or, or limited lock in, where he's been really, really good. Like their highest usage guy, or almost their highest usage guy, gives them that true interior score. Their big issue last season was they never got easy baskets because they had no interior score. He contributes a lot more to that. And I think that limits their offense with him out. So they're coming off that emotional uh, buzzer-beating win at UCF. I think Temple hangs around here. It's just kind of a team that plays better as a dog, Matthew, right? The oscillating owls. That's right, Osling Owls, and they have uh, Jaleel White and Jamil Reynolds both back in playing now who are two critical defenders for them. Uh, it should help here against the very athletic Bearcats. I think Temple's a good money line look as well. I think since he's just a very variable, very variable, is that redundant, team with just the shots they take and the way they play, um, it, it's not a team that gets a lot of easy baskets, especially without Lockin. So I think they're a team that can be prone to major letdowns, but also can play up against anyone, uh, as we've seen. Both these teams, really. So... Uh, I like the Owls. I actually might, uh, I would consider if you're feeling crazy, throw a little sprinkle, money line sprinkle on the money line. All right, chat mom, part two begins right now. A lot of questions from Corp. Jim, specifically about the total, Arkansas and Louisiana. Any takes there? 
Arkansas State, I hope. Arkansas, Arkansas State, State excuse Louisiana. me, yes. Arkansas State. Um, man, I, I think Louisiana is a heavy over team. I, I lean that way. Obviously burned me big time with one of my best bets over the weekend. I had them and James Madison to go over, and it didn't really ever have a chance. I still lean that way. I think Louisiana is definitely more of an over team right now. Matthew, Tulane and Houston from Michael. Ooh. 15 point spread. Jim, you say, ooh. Yes, you want to jump in? Oh, Matt can answer. I have, I have a stat for this game. So, Matt, you go first. Houston owns Tulane historically. The number looks enormous with how good Tulane is. I'm telling you, it looks so big. I almost took it myself, especially first half. I, Houston just completely, what they do takes away everything Tulane does in a nutshell. Jim, stat. I, well, I want you to talk more about how big it is, how big it looks. Tell me more. Uh, it's really big. It's this Boys. big. <laughs> so big. Uh, no, yeah, Matt, you're right. That's kind of what I was going to talk about. Samson is 7-2 and two against the spread against Tulane, covering by an average of five a game. They've won 10 in a row. I think the fact that they handle the ball and offensive rebound totally negates what Tulane does defensively with like the trapping zone stuff. All right, Matt, Julie, two-pack here. Number one, Troy at Louisiana Monroe. It felt a little high to me. Troy's laying five on the road. Your thoughts? I kind of agree. Um, but, you know, Troy's always, whenever you think Troy's dead, they're not. I worry that South or sorry that Monroe's kind of quit that after they had a little feisty run. So I, the market coming on Troy, I understand the money, but nothing for me. Jim, you get Bucknell and Lehigh. Lehigh minus four at home against Bucknell. Lean towards Lehigh there. Um, Bucknell just has been so erratic. Um, it, it's been bothersome because I thought they could trend up this year after like totally tanking last season. But I actually really like this Lehigh team. They've got really quality guards, and I think that matters in this league. The one hesitance is that home court doesn't matter in the Patriots. So hmm. you're if you're giving three points there, you're probably giving too many. Uh, but lean towards the Mountain Hawks. Matt, the new class, the Ohio Valley, are really the old guard. Moorhead, minus five and a half at Eastern Illinois. Moorhead has a one or two game lead in co- two game lead in conference play. I think they all but lock it up if they win tonight. Do you think they get it done? Yep. Seems like Eastern Illinois has played shockingly competitive given their roster limitations, especially as of late. The market is betting against that again today. I don't know. Marty Simmons might just be a pretty good coach. So I didn't I didn't take Moorhead. That was my lean though, as well as the markets up to minus five and a half. I think Moorhead has been like kind of a juggernaut against the spread recently. Uh they're eight and three against the spread at home. Last really few home. games. Yeah. Uh yeah, they've covered six of seven, seven of or eight of ten. Like they've been really good lately. Jim, you get more Patriot. I'm surprised Navy's minus one at American. I'll say that. I, I thought American would be favored. Yeah, American, it, basically since they beat Colgate, they've kind of broken. I, I don't know what happened. Like that was their season and they haven't been able to get up in the same mindset or what, or if they were just making shots early in uh, league play. But I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and lean towards Navy here, Kai. Uh, they're trending up, whereas uh, American is trending down. Yeah. Uh, lost four in a row. They've only won three of their last 12. Like, it's really weird that they've trended. So it's far. very weird. I agree. Jim, back to you for an America East, because I promise I would never give another one to Matt. Bryant, minus six and a half at NJIT. I haven't bet an NJIT Bryant. game all year, by the way. Bryant, I, I have a take here, Jim. Bryant I got it. NJIT so. off the overtime. Yeah, off the overtime. You have a take on this, Matt. Vermont. Boom. That's my take. Jim, sorry. That's, that's the exact take I was going to have. Off that, like, we almost beat the best team in the league. In overtime, now we have to play this like up and down team with a ton of talent. I, I think Brian smokes him. All right, a ten action. Duquesne minus two at LaSalle. Matt, thoughts? Um, do not fade my explorers. However, I think if you're going to tonight's the time to do it because the Dukes are kind of a buy low right now. Dukes are really good. People forgot about that. 
Yeah, I can't figure them out. They seem to be kind of like teetering back and forth. Uh, Fordham minus two at Loyola in our neck of the woods, guys. I kind of lean towards Loyola, Jim. Is that surprising? My number did two, and I was like, wait a second. Do I I think I have a good Fordham number or not? That's my question. Uh, Fordham off getting their butts kicked at VCU, uh, whether that was like a wake-up call or just like a – you know, the top of the league asserting its dominance over not a great team. My gut leaned towards Fordham against my number, though. So I, I can't fully, or excuse me. Yeah. Lean towards Fordham against Loyola. Can't fully give out uh, either side. Matthew has a two pack here for us. Matt, our Matt, you get Minnesota at Maryland. The Terps are minus 15 at home. Yeah. Money. He's come in on the Gophers. I do think it's Garson, sorry, Dawson Garcia related, Kai, your boy. They've been a little more competitive with him. But as Jim pointed out, they've not been that competitive. And Maryland at home is a different beast. They put a massive run on Purdue. They can put that times three on Minnesota. So I kind of lean toward the Terps against the money, actually. Yeah, tough travel. Minnesota just played on Monday uh, at Illinois. Now they go out to Maryland. Like yeah, one of the that's the good part of the yeah. league. So. Uh, I'll take Matthew's other one. Ole Miss, Auburn. Auburn minus 13. I like Auburn. I think Ole Miss is... Done, done, dead as a doornail, and Auburn crushed them. That's, yeah, that's I, wanted, I wanted to try to act out like rolling over and dying. That's yes. Kind of what I think Ole Miss has done. That's basically like what under. they've been doing. You like under? Hmm. Yeah. Mississippi will score 50 points in this game, maybe, if they're lucky. Yeah. I the first I meeting went way over 155 points. It was really that's weird. weird. Yeah. So okay. Never mind. Trending back the other way towards under. Jim from a different man in the chat. Northern Iowa is at Southern Illinois. We know you and I have been struggling lately. Six and a half point dogs at SIU. This is a weird spot for Southern Illinois. They had Bradley beat last game, and then Rink Mast had a four point play late in the game, stole that one 50 to 48. I could see Southern Illinois either being like dead coming out of that or locked in. Um, there's probably seating implication here in the MVC. I would check on that. I don't have that knowledge off the top of my head, uh, but th- this is a it's a tough thing to figure with SIU off that tough, tough loss to, to Bradley. No, big spot, Jim. SIU is tied for fourth with Belmont 12 and six. So yeah, they need these last two games. You want to be one of those, the the top four spots and then the bottom four are the kind of cutoffs for the Valley. Matt, you get an A-Sun matchup because I think you have a take on Jacksonville and Bellarmine in general. Jacksonville's minus four and a half at home against Bellarmine. I kind of lean toward Bellarmine. I think it's a disgustingly low scoring game and Jacksonville has continuously disappointed me this season. I know it's been mostly injury related, um, but I take the Knights who are trending back up actually. Um, so again, fading teams at home and the ASUN has not been a profitable endeavor this season. I do like the road dog though. And then finally from Rocco, Rocco Miller, bracketologist, North Alabama is hosting Kennesaw North Alabama plus three. As someone mentioned in the chat, they're nine and one against the spread. The last 10 games, they've been hot. Kennesaw, maybe a little sweaty palms here or sweaty talons. If you will, they're owls. Uh, they are, if they, they win, they basically win the league. If they win their last, I think they have two games left. If they drop one, it's liberties. So a lot of pressure here. I kind of lean towards the lions at plus three. Yikes. Kind of scary. I did too, man. North, it, yeah. Since they like handed the offensive reins over to Jakari lane, they've been mm-hmm. monsters. All righty. Let's go. Best bets, boys. Matthew reminder. I am taking Iowa. They're playing on the road, so that's probably why you shouldn't take them, but I think they beat Wisconsin because Wisconsin is the exception to the rule, just not a good team this season. I think they're at large. Hopes and dreams slide farther and farther away from reality today. So apologies, Buzzcut Badgers. 
but fading you today. Kai. I am taking Kentucky minus two and a half. No count. Colin Castleton equals Kentucky. Yep. Kentucky training way up as well. Uh, my best bet is Campbell Winthrop under 139. First game between these two, the total is 136 and a half. Only 63 possessions. Love that. However, Matt, inside the arc, these two shot 34 for 48 combined, basically like 72% absurd. So that's a little concerning that maybe they have uh, the antidote to each other's defenses. But I'm going to go with the the pace here. Some of the shooting numbers from the perimeter expect a little bit trending down. And yeah, just slower, higher total than the first matchup. I would go under 139 with Campbell and Winthrop. The Undertaker's back. Good to see you, Jim. I thought we had, uh, I was worried we might lose you given the overrunning college hoops. I'm glad you're staying true to your roots. No pun intended. That concludes today's program. We'll be back tomorrow, same time as always. That's 10 Central, sorry, 12 Central, 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific. I'm getting used to my Pacific time zone, which I, which is where I will be next week. Uh, come back, join us tomorrow, and good luck tonight. Winners only, please. Thank you, Gambling Gods. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.